Hey, on this show, I've got a real war hero without question, also turned journalist. I mean, this guy has actually been bowled over twice by explosions, won a couple of purple hearts. So listen in, tune in, hang on, because I need to take you through a little bit of a little bit of business before we get down to the all business. So I want to talk to you about did you know that 80% of your business callers don't leave a message when they reach voicemail? I mean, why would you want to waste that? These people call you and they don't want to leave a message. So you need to connect them to real people, man. Real people, not machines or recordings. None of that bullshit. Real people. That's what this is all about. This is all business. We're going to talk about real people. So my friends at Abbey Connect, they're offering a no obligation free trial. Okay. So you know, after your trial is over, our listeners will also receive, hey, listen, 95 bucks off your, their very first bill. So not only when you sign up at our special link, here's what it is, okay? This is what you got to do. can only get it if you sign up at this link. And it's abbyconnect, A-B-B-Y connect.com forward slash all business. So check it out. Check out Abby Connect. And man, I thank them for sponsoring this podcast. And don't forget about my friends too at Elytra. I ran into them this week here in New York. I was walking through the city and ran into Avi and I started talking about it because we spend so much money on, on important things and unimportant things. But the important things, the biggest asset we got is us. This is what they do. At Elytra Health, they take care of you. I go in there for the day. I spend all day. I get all these tests done on me. At the end of the thing, they tell me the widow makers. They tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly, what's going on inside my body and for me. And then they prescribe things to get it fixed. And it's all under one roof. Spa-like atmosphere. It's unbelievable. So don't forget, check out Elytra Health, the Manhattan Center for Life and Longevity. There you go. So this week, I'm talking about a real war hero. Joe Biggs is an InfoWars reporter. And he carried out a lot of tours. In fact, I think it was... Several. I don't know. I, I'm, in the interview, you're going to hear, he talks about how he went back a couple of different times to Iraq and Afghanistan as a U.S. Army a non-commissioned officer. So he was a real sergeant, like Sergeant York, but even tougher, I'm telling you. So according to the book, The Operators, The Wild and Terrifying Inside Story of America's War in Afghanistan, Sergeant Biggs, it talks about him in the book, how he was knocked over a couple of times and how he won a couple of Purple Hearts. And so he's here to talk with me right here on All Business. And we're going to be talking about, hey, listen to this. How to get the stick out of your ass. This is awesome. So welcome, Joe. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, first question, first thing I got to say, Joe, to you, first of all, thanks for your service. I appreciate it, man. My father was in the military and I just want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. I was actually going through my DD-214 last night, which is your you know, exit service paperwork that kind of like lays out everything you've done. And I was just like, wow, I can't believe I did all that. <laughs> you did. And by the way, you did a lot. So how, how long were you in? I was in for about 10 years. I spent a few years in Iraq and Afghanistan. I, I would come back and I would try to ask to see if I could go again, or I would try to stay long. I was on some 15-month deployments, so I really enjoyed it. I, I kind of feel like I was born to do that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's definitely been not a, the easiest of transitions moving from military life to civilian life, but it still has been a journey. And I figured out a way to turn the cards in my favor and, and, and use what I've learned in the military to help me be successful in the civilian side. And I know that's one thing that a lot of people in the military struggle with when they get out. Luckily, I've been able to do it. 
Yeah, it's very tough. You know, it's, it's tough for anybody, not just the military. I think obviously without question tougher because of, you know, in one minute you're, you're literally shooting at someone and the next minute you, you've got to be polite and open doors and do everything else that comes with the just being in business or, you know, being a regular Joe, if I can say it that way. Yeah. And because you can't ever say normal. I always tell people you can't say normal, right? Because it's like when I was growing up, I, my dad was in the military. And of course, he served three tours in Nam. And and he, I lived on Air Force Base to Air Force Base. Every year I moved to a different place when I was a kid. And people said, well, that's not normal. What the hell? It's normal to me, dude. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> you know, what's not normal to me is, is you sticking and going to one school all your life or, you know, and living in one town. Right, have you always been from Austin or is that just where you just kind of ended up? I'm a I'm a puddle jumper. I'm all over the place. You know, like my dad was in the Marine Corps. He was in Vietnam as well. So I grew up around the the military life. Everyone in my family has been in the in the military. So we we've moved around quite a bit. And my mother was a uh, a college professor, now vice president of a university. So you know, I, I've been on military bases and college campuses my entire life. Wow. That's a, that's kind of a yeah. There there's some similarities and some extremes to that, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Is there? I mean, talk about going from military classrooms and, and, and learning into actually being a college student. Like the teachers don't like use facts against them and you actually debate them with knowledge. They're used to just their students sitting there, you know, playing on their phones and just recording whatever and, you know, and flunking their test or whatever. But I, I like to engage and debate and, and argue and not argue in a negative way. But I, I like for me, I for me to learn and to be challenged, I need to be engaged. So I need to engage the person who's supposed to be the most knowledgeable. Therefore, that would be the teacher. So I would always kind of get in trouble, I guess, just sitting there like going back and forth. They would take it as me being, you know, an asshole. But, you know, really, that was me being a sponge and pouring water all over myself. I was waterboarding myself with knowledge. (laughs) Interesting choice of words. What, What did you go to school after the military service? I went to EMT school the day I got to Fort Bragg because I had had some college. And my first sergeant goes, well, Private Biggs, you're the only guy with some college. I was like, I have like five credits. He goes, yep, you're the only guy with some college. So you're going to EMT school. Uh, we're going to go to Iraq <laughs> and we don't have any medics. So you're going to be our medic and you're going to be in the very first vehicle on all the convoys. So you're going to get blown up a lot. I'm like, oh, oh boy. Yeah, so I went to Cumberland County Community College. I think that's what it's called. I can't remember anymore. It's outside of Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I went to EMT paramedic school, deployed and did all that. And then I got out of the military and I went into school for industrial engineering and uh, specialized in all types of welding. I'll be dang. So did you have any any inclination to be in the medical side of it? Just just because he said that now you're the, you're the guy. Yeah, I mean, my dad was a EMT when oh, he okay. got out of the Marine Corps, but I'd never thought about doing it. I mean, I, I had ridden in the ambulance with him before and I always thought that was fun, but I mean, I never really had a a passion, I would say, for the medical field whatsoever. But I kind of got thrown into it and I saw it as an opportunity to learn something I didn't know. And if I'm going to be in combat and there's a good chance that my brothers to my left and right could be hurt, I'd like to have the knowledge to be able to help them out. So, you know, I took the opportunity to, to show up, you know, 30 minutes early every day after class and be the last one to leave and bust my ass and make sure I had good grades so I could pass and, you know, understand the information being put out before me. So, so what do you think in the military... It really helps you in the civilian life. Man, it, it's a it's really weird because it helps you and it hurts you a lot. It, it mm-hmm. helps you because 
it really, you don't get so stressed out. I, I guess that's the easiest way to put it because you see a lot of these millennials, they, they say stress right now is the number one thing in their life. And I mean, like, what are you stressed out about? You stubbed your toe mm. and you act like it's the end of the world. You know, World War III is about to happen. Everyone's obsessed with all the stuff that's going on, but no one has really had their friends die in front of them. They've never yeah. been shot at numerous times throughout the day and been blown up. So I think once you've been in combat and once you've kind of been to hell and back, it makes it so much easier to tackle other obstacles that are thrown at you. So being class on time, uh, you know, every day you have to be in formation throughout the day. You have to have accountability of yourself, your equipment, your soldiers, everyone around you has to be accountable and held responsible for their actions. So um, that's something that's ingrained in you from day one. So when you get in the civilian sector and you're in school or whatever job that you're pursuing, it, it really brings a lot to the table because people don't have to police up after you. Uh, you know, you don't have to be micromanaged. You know, you're, you're, you've been taught to to be given a task and then you execute that task to the best that you can with your abilities that have been given to you, yeah. you know, and, and that's something that you strive for is perfection. And, and, and my biggest thing is I hate tardiness. I hate lateness. I cannot stand it. <laughs> so when I would go into work or when I, when I go into class and I see people show up late, I go, man, you're being like, you're late. And I'd start calling people out and they just get pissed off. But I'm like, Hey man, if you want to do this, if you're here, you need to be here early. Yeah, I got some people I want you to talk to in my operation. That's why I need. I need that. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm. I don't know if that was because of my my dad or my mom both. You know, my dad was. As I said in the military, and it was. By the way, I, I'm. It's interesting. I bet you are a yes sir no sir kind of guy. And, and oh yeah, I grew up with that. I mean, I once called. There's a there was Sergeant Longino, and I once referred to him as Charlie. And my dad knocked the living crap out of me. <laughs> and said, he is not Charlie to you. I don't know where you got that. He's Mr. Longino or Sergeant Longino. Do you understand that? And of course, I said, yes, sir. And that was the last time I ever called an adult by his first name. If I showed you screenshots of my text messages when my, when, uh, my wife says something, I go, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> I even talked to my wife that way. It's so ingrained. <laughs> well, that's a smart move, let me tell you. Speaking, of, Let me take a smart move right now. I need to talk about one of my great, great, great sponsors, and it's in Stitchu. I was with them this week. Man, Joe, if you need a new suit... I got to talk to you about these guys, because if you're a fan of this show, you've heard me talk about the stylishness of our all business sponsor in Stitchu. They specialize in custom tailored menswear for the modern gentleman. And so it's it's fantastic. I had a scotch event this weekend uh, with Glenfiddich, and I asked the in Stitchu guys to show up. And of course, they show up with their tape measures and their swatches and all the stuff. And here they were measuring, uh, you know, executive after executive who were out there buying and getting fitted for shirts and for, and so they never have to buy off the rack again. Cause Joe, I got to imagine you're a little bit built differently than I am as well. And we're all built different and nothing off the rack ever fits the way it's supposed to, you know? And so this is a great way. So any of you are thinking about this visit, visit in stitchu.u. So it's in stitchu, I N S T I T C H U.com. So I want you to do that and use a code. There's five for four. If you could type it out. So five, it's a number five, F O R four, number four, C suite. And you get five shirts for the price of four. That's one of the things we do. Or just email me and, and I'll, I'll send you a link right to Noni and the team here in the U S these guys are just, they're just, they're crushing it, crushing it. Well, listen, I want to get back. You said, you know, being in the military and then, and then having that experience, you said helps and hurts. What's the you gave me the hurt, the helps part. What's what's the hurts you? What what hurts you about being in the military and then getting back into civilian life? 
Well, and it's it's not everyone's struggle. It's my struggle. I mean, I you know you you become a switch. Mm-hmm. There's an on and an off. You know when you're there. You know your 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 off switch is when you're back in garrison life, where you're supposed to turn it off and you're not in combat mode. And then you go to combat and you have to flip the switch. Yeah. Like you literally 23 hours, you fly this plane ride that takes you know about a day or two. You get over to Afghanistan or Iraq, and then all of a sudden that, this switch in your mind has to be flipped. It's in. It's, you're going into yeah predator mode. I mean, you have to really yeah. flip it on. Yeah. So I have that issue. Like I, I, I can, I can go from zero to a hundred in one point two seconds with you know being very emotional. Like you know, like I seem like I'm yelling because I kind of have that drill sergeant mentality. So when I when when someone says something, I know they're lying to me. I give them that drill sergeant scissor hand look or that 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 mad dog Mattis scissor hand, and I go, "Listen here," and I'll you know my my voice will go up and I'll kind of snap at them. They'll look at me like, "Well, we're not in the military anymore. You can't talk to me like a soldier." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, you, you need to straighten the hell up. Maybe that's what you need, guy." Yeah. You know. You know, you know, but that that's kind of been my issue is I'm not really what people would call, I guess, a people person because I'm kind of I'm very aggressive. I'm very loud. I'm very demanding about stuff. So that's kind of in the military. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, my leadership loved yeah. it. The, the chain of command when I was, you know, freaking, you know, an all star. Yeah. But when you come back into this this side of the, the world, it can definitely it can definitely be a, a, an issue. But I, I've been working with it. You know, it, it's one of those things. It's an ongoing learning experience. Well, if that's the worst thing that's got to happen, I think that's not a bad thing. You know, a couple of people need some wake up calls or or a freaking stick upside there. I call them the motivation stick. They need a motivation stick upside their head. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, I'm saying everybody's getting all this plastic surgery and everybody's getting all this stuff done. We need a, a surgeon that can remove sticks out of people's asses. <laughs> You know, so many people have a stick up their ass right now, and I think that would be a great business. I should become a doctor and just remove sticks. Hey, Joe, out of Joe why don't asses. we offer that service? You can do the extraction. I'll do the marketing of that. Like, get the stick. Let's let's go buy that right now. They, Mitch, get on there right now. Go to GoDaddy or whoever we're using right now and get, buy stick out of ass. Remove the stick up your ass dot com. I like that idea. That's gonna be my. That's gonna be my takeaway today. Remove the stick up your ass. I love that. Okay, I'm writing that down. Okay, because I don't want to forget that. I don't. I never forget that. So you Infowars. Tell me about Infowars, man. So that that was a weird experience. It was a great experience. Long story short, a good friend of mine died. I was doing a. I was going on the different media outlets talking about my buddy Michael Hastings, who had died. Infowars saw the interview of me on Megyn Kelly. I was live with her on Fox. And this is back in 2014, 13, yep. something like 2013. I think it was June, somewhere around there. Either way, they saw my interview, and Alex, the uh, host, Alex Jones, had me on his show as a guest a few times. Um, eventually invited me to Austin, Texas to come be on a show live. And then that turned into him and I hanging out and actually becoming friends. Fast forward three months, he calls me when I'm in. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, going to a UFC fight. I have a gallon of fireball liquor in my lap. I'm in the back seat of a BMW with three of my buddies, and I get a call, and it's like, hey, uh, Joe. And I go, hello? And he goes, yeah, yeah, this is Alex Jones. And I go, who? He goes, oh, you're in Infowars, Austin. I flew you out of here. You've been on my show before. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, stop screaming at me. He's like, oh, that's just how I talk. You know, <laughs> and you know, he's like, well, you know, what do you think about being a reporter? I was like, dude, I didn't go to school for journalism. I was like, I'm a soldier. I was like, I was like, if you got someone shooting, I'll run towards the bullets. I was like, but other than that, I don't know what I could do for it. He goes, that's what I want. He's like, people who go to school for journalism, that, that, that's retarded. You don't need to go to school for that. No one needs to teach you how to tell the truth. I, I put a camera in front of you. You hold a microphone and tell people what you see. Hmm. And I'll pay you to do it. <laughs> so I go, 
Well, shit, that doesn't yeah. sound like a well, bad idea. Just and you're drinking army. Fireball, so what the heck, kid, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything sounds logical when you're drinking Fireball. <laughs> well, I had just literally walked out of the liquor store, sat in the backseat of the car, and just had it in my lap. And I just took a yeah. swig, so I, it hadn't yeah, really okay. hit yet. But, you, keep, uh, <laughs> you keep telling that story. You so, keep telling that story. That's good. <laughs> so, so I, you know, next thing you know, I uproot yeah. my life. I move from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm living, to Austin, Texas, with my then girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, start this new life, transitioning from a soldier to a investigative journalist. Now, at this time, Infowars really hadn't done anything like that before. They've never gone and covered things when they're actually happening, when there's breaking news yeah. happening. I mean, I was in the Ferguson riots, all of it. I was there for months. I was in the Baltimore riots. I was in Charlotte, Milwaukee. I was in San Bernardino, the Pulse nightclub shooting, the Bataclan theater tax, the Paris attacks, the train station tax in, in Belgium. I've been to all these events, all the major, the Bundy, the Bundy events, the Bundy standoff. I've, I've covered and I've seen some of the most epic things in history over the last four years. I mean, it, 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 it was really an amazing experience because what it did, I don't agree with everything that, that goes on at InfoWars and everything they believe in. But what I take from it is I was given an opportunity to find something that I never thought I would be passionate mm-hmm. about outside of the military. This, this gave me new hope, new life. And I, and I see this. this you, was it truth? Or just the observations of that, or the the struggle of this stuff? It, it was. What was it, man? It, it was so many things. I mean, it, I, I get goosebumps talking about it. I mean, it's the it's the being there where when history is being made. It's being a part of that. It, it, it's 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 actually seeing what I used to watch on TV and being able to go, wow, they're lying about that. Is it almost like being though? Like let, I'm going to take it back to Iraq and Iran for a second. Is it almost being like that adrenaline from that? And that's part of it? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it's a drug, especially, you know, my first big mission, so to say, as a journalist was the Ferguson riots. I mean, I felt, you know, right in. I mean, I loved it. Well, but how did I mean, but at the same time, I mean, that's a pretty black and white kind of thing going on, right? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, how did did you get in some hairy situations with that? Oh, tell me about it. I mean, we had people. um, I was with another reporter. He was a black guy, Jakari Jackson, and him and I had to keep moving hotels because the uh, locals hated us. They were looking for us nonstop. They would dox us, put our information out. So we were constantly, you know, moving around. And then I'm putting myself out there in the streets in the middle of the riots, and bullets are literally flying. You know, and it's, you know, to me, it was only a matter of time before one of them just accidentally got me either from a, a gangbanger or a police officer amidst all the chaos. But in that chaos, I, I, I flew back to Austin one day and had to take an entire crew back because they were scared. They're like, we didn't sign up for this. This isn't what we're about. So I get all the way back to Austin. I tell Alex, I was like, we're missing the effing story. And I'm screaming and yelling because I've I've become very passionate at this point because number one, I found out that I really like doing something new. Number two, I'm being shot at. So for me, I feel like right at home. I feel snug as a bug. So I'm yelling and screaming. I get a new crew. I fly back to uh, uh, St. Louis, Missouri the same day. I fly back with a new crew and I stay out there for months again. Then those guys get scared. They leave. And then it's just me and Jakari Jackson the entire time for like a another month sitting out there, you know, waiting on the verdict of Officer Darren Wilson to come out. The verdict came down that they weren't going to go after him. And then the riot started breaking out and gunfire started going out and explosions and, you know, Molotov cocktails outside of the Ferguson Police Department, Fire Department. I mean, it was nuts. So man, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you another question with this, because now I'm sitting there thinking, are you were you packing then? Were you carrying anything for protection? I had people watching over me, part of the Oath Keepers. 
Mm -hmm. organization. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. They were yeah. they were there watching over me and and certain areas. So I had armed security at all times. Okay, is it kind of like a guardian angels group or something? I'm not sure who they are, but they're they're they're, they're like ex military, ex police guys who uh, go and will pull security for people. Like whenever I travel yeah. around the yeah. country, they would hit me up, and it's a huge organization. They're nationwide. So, I mean, I, I've had yeah. Oath Keepers with me in Ferguson and Detroit, everywhere. It didn't matter. Interesting. I, no, I didn't know about them. Now I'm going to go look them up. That's what I always like about my job, the things I do, is the things I get to learn and the experiences and be a part of it from that, too. So, hey, let me take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back because I want to talk about Liberty Tax, and i got some more things I want to ask you because you said something a few minutes ago, and I wrote it down, and I want to get back to it. So, hey, guys, if you're looking for a tax professionals who can guarantee the most accurate returns, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Liberty Tax because they're going to get you the re refund you deserve. I love Liberty Tax. Love Martha O'Gorman, who's a CMO, and Nicole is a new CEO. She just took in. It's a talented, talented leadership team. So, by the way, if you're looking for a franchise, he's a seasonal franchise, you should talk to them. They have over 4,000 locations nationwide. They're trusted by millions of taxpayers. I mean, they, they guarantee you that you'll be 100% satisfied with everything from the service, the return, the refund. Check them out at libertytax.com. And don't forget, you can be a franchisee. I've had a number of people have listened to the show and have gotten into business with them. And that's really cool. I love to see that. Love to see people living the American dream. Joe, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about the millennials whining and crying, still having to stick up their ass, so to speak. And you mentioned something about, hey, we're facing World War III. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I was saying that they, millennials, really think that the smallest things in life are going to lead to World War III all the time. Like if you get on social media, it's like it's so draining because everyone's like, oh, my God, you know, Trump did this and now the world's going to end or someone did this and the world's going to end. And it's just like, man, unplug from this crap. Yeah. Go out and yeah. talk to people. There's no race war going on outside. There's no pending doom. There's no zombie apocalypse or anything like that. It's just <laughs> normal people doing the same shit they've been doing for the last hundred years or so. You know, they, they you know, except now we got cooler technology. We have iPhones now. You know, it's just, you know, they're so, I don't know, man. Like, I wish I could just give motivational speeches sometimes to some of these little assholes. And then we'll do, at the end, we'll hold a, a seminar where we remove sticks from ass, you know, and enlighten them. But, yeah. you know, people... We have a training video on that, by the way. We're going to have to have a whole thing. It's a whole theme. Get the stick out your ass. I love this. But it, it needs to happen today. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and, and my wife will come home sometimes and she'll be like, oh, I've had such a rough day. And it's hard for me to sympathize with people when they've literally like, you know, oh, I, I lost my favorite pin. And they literally have a breakdown over that. And I'm like, really? You lost a pin? Like, that's what you're upset about today? It's 2018. You're alive. You have air in your lungs. You have a roof over your head and you're mad because you lost your favorite pin. Suck it up, buttercup, you know, or, you know, I lost my job. Well, shit, you know. Everyone loses their job at some point in time. It's what you're going to do after that that makes you a better person, you know? And, th and that's what I see with a lot of millennials is they have this basement dwelling mentality where they're still attached to their mom's tit. They're still, you know, they need that help. They can't just get out. Like I left home when I was 16. I got mm -hmm. a job. I had an apartment in Panama City Beach on the ocean. It's 16 years old. You could imagine what a DJ at 16 years old in Panama City Beach was doing. I was having a blast, but I did that on my own. I didn't need yeah. my mom or my dad to help me. And, you, you know, you don't see people doing that. You see more and more, you know, these guys are staying at home until they're 30 years old. Like, what in the hell? You're 30 years old, living in your mom's basement, covered in Cheeto smudges, watching Tucker Carlson. You know, go do something. Go shoot a gun. So how would you describe who you are today? I mean, if you say, hey, I am this. Like I say, I'm a speaker, you know, a television host, podcast host today. But what would you say? I mean, if you, you're you meeting somebody for the very first time, you say, hey, I'm Joe. I'm Joe. I'm I'm going <laughs> to 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. What am I? Yeah. I think that's something that's <laughs> going to take me a long time in life to figure out. No, hopefully I'll one day I'll. That's like one of those like enlightening questions that you you know you're asked one day. Well, you know we all. We, well, we go through progressions, right? At one time you're a soldier, then you become this uh, independent journalist. So is that what you say you are now? Yeah, you know, I I, I want to do it more. I've actually tra- I'm transitioning into another job uh, as we speak right now. I'm, I'm moving on to the next phase uh, phase of my life, but I still want to have the fan base. I still have a large fan base. You know, I reach millions of people every month, yeah. and I still enjoy having those people. You know, connect with me and talk with me. You know, I went out last night for a quick beer. I went and rode my motorcycle. Uh, you know, 20 minutes south into this area called Buda, stopped at this bar, and people were coming up to me, talking to me and all that stuff. And it, I love doing that. I love interacting with people and talking about politics and things like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just a guy with an opinion, and a lot of people share that opinion, and apparently they like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I, I do know that I'm not afraid to say what's on my mind. Yeah. You know, if, if anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that, I don't hold back. I'm the guy that says what most people are thinking, and they're too scared to say it because their boss will yell at them. You know, I do that in business every day. That's been my reputation for years. And don't you find that interesting that people just don't do that? I mean, like, why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, I meet a lot of these people. Like, you know, I know all these freaking news people, you know, that that think they're, you know, God's gift from, you know, heaven or whatever. And they're not the same people off camera, you know, yeah. and or off the internet. You know, right. they act all high and mighty. Then you get around them and after two drinks, you know, they're cussing like a sailor and saying the exact same shit that I just say on a regular basis, you know, it's like, just be you. If that's yeah. who you are, say it, you know, stop trying to put on a mask and be this chameleon so you can make some extra dollars or whatever, because you're starved for affection from a certain group of people. I mean, that's what people need to start doing. Just say, fuck it, you know, and well, just go out and be themselves. You know, Joe, I'm with you. Could I always say it's, it's hard enough being yourself. Why would you want to be somebody else? You know, makes it a lot yeah. simpler, makes it a lot simpler. So well, what do you, well, speaking, let's talk about Trump a little bit in the elections. What do you think is going to, what do you think 2020 is going to look like on the election side? You know, I don't really see anybody on the Democrat side that could be a force of nature to really compete with Trump. I know Bernie Sanders has mentioned possibly running again, but you're going to have a huge portion of his base, his original base that aren't going to trust him now because he hopped in Hillary's pocket so quick, you know? So a lot of people are going to see him as a sellout. I really don't think the Democrat Party has anybody popular enough, tough enough, and likable enough that could really go in and do anything. So I think it'll be another Trump victory, you know, regardless of how many porn stars a billionaire slept with 12 years ago. That's not really going to change or affect any outcome in the election. Like, I don't care how many porn stars a billionaire slept with 12 years ago. I want him to un-F unfuck what Obama did and others have done and and get the country on track. And he's been doing a lot of that. He's done a lot of great things, regardless if you don't like his tweets or how quickly he tweets and how he uses Twitter over using the mainstream media. I think it's amazing. I, I'd rather hear what the president is thinking and how he says it, because and like I said earlier, I don't like people who wear a mask. Like he, he says it all. He's telling me what he's thinking. He's making fun of people. We all make fun of people. We always go, you know, that person's being a, you know, a clown. They're being some, you know, a yeah. fucking liar, this and that. You know, we all say that. But then for some reason, a lot of people, they get out online or on TV and they try to act like they're, you know, some saint or some shit. So, you know, he's just putting it out there how it is. And I love that about him. Yeah, I do. I, I do. I, that's, I think that's a positive side of him when you look for a positive side. Do you, every once in a while, do you just think like, hey, hello, hey, Mr. President, Jesus, shut the, shut the hell up. 
You ever think oh, when of that? he did that round table, when he did yeah. that round table about guns, uh, yeah. you know, gun control, yeah. I lost my effing mind. Just Google <laughs> Joe Biggs and you'll see all the articles I was in. I was oh, in the I, Guardian. I, I, I hey, dude, in, I read him. I read him. Because, uh, oh, you know, I, I'm I told a, him he had a fucking brain fart and yeah. he had a, a retarded mental lapse of judgment. I mean, I went off on him. I mean, here's the thing. He's not my king. He's not my liege. I'm a citizen. I elected him. He is another human being just like me. He's no better than me other than the fact that he holds the highest office in the country right now. But if he does something stupid, I'm going to go, listen, you did something stupid. You're acting like a jackass. And I didn't vote for you to do this. So straighten the fuck up and, and get back on track. It'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because his sons, I know both or two of his sons. I, I've met all of his sons, but I know two of them really well. And they're big hunters. And they actually come, oh, out, yeah. to, they come out to South Dakota. I know I've I've known to talk to them after they've been in a deer stand in upstate New York. I mean, they, they get up at five and or excuse me, I'm sorry, three in the morning, drive north of the city, get into a tree stand, hunt deer, and then be back in the city by about ten in the morning, uh doing business. I mean, uh-huh. I yeah, so you can imagine what they're hey, dad. What the hell? You can imagine that conversation, right? <laughs> At least um, you hope so. I think so. You know. Hey, you're talking my language now, honey. Yeah. I'm I'm sitting here looking at a black book on my wall, an addicts, a white tail. I got some go. hogs in here. I got about thirty guns in my room. I want to do some Texas hog hunting. We have to get together. We'll have you up for bird hunting in South Dakota, and I'll come down to a hog down in Texas. I haven't done that yet. Oh, I just got a big old 300 pound monster not too long ago. I mean, it was epic. I mean, I've been sitting in the, in the, in my little blind for hours. It started raining. The sun was already going down and, and I was like, man, I can't see shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm like at a point where I go to grab my rifle and my rifle's to my left of me. And when I reach to the left to grab my rifle, cause I don't see nothing, all of a sudden I hear, wah, 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 you know, like a little yeah. snorting. I look over left and all I can see is like a silhouette cause it's starting to get dark. So I spot him with this big green light that I have and it was this huge beast. And I just laid into that fucker, <laughs> and it was awesome. What'd you use? I used an AR pistol. It was a five-five-six. The first round went and ricocheted off of his uh, the bridge of his nose between his two front eyes because I'm a pretty good shot. Yeah. So after he turned, I just had to lay into him, and it, it was it took some rounds because you know five-five-six will slice through that thing like butter. Is it five-five-six? And this is my not my knowledge. You'll know this is a five-five-six and NATO round. It's the same as the two twenty-three. Oh, yeah, yeah, 223, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same thing. I'm yeah. not used to the civilian term. Yeah. There you go. See, I'm just trying to put it for what other people can uh, relate, so you know what that is. So there you go. It's a great, great gun. I've not used the handgun version of that, but I have used the rifle version of that and own, own a few of those myself. So there you go. Oh, yeah, I was like Tony Montana, and that thing was like. How far away was it, by the way? Oh, it was probably about 25, 30 meters. That's not far. That's good. That's good. Good, good, good shooting. Good shoot. What's your favorite gun, by the way, before we get out of here? Oh, my God. That's an easy question because I'm looking at it right now, and it just gives me goosebumps. It's a Remington 700 6.5 Creedmoor. There you go. I have a Surefire Break. Remington 700 Classic. Classic, classic. Yeah. I love bolt guns. There's something about just that old school, like, getting down there and and doing some long-distance shooting. I mean, it just, that does it for me. That's That's my hardcore porn. Well, my my mine is a stainless steel Ruger seven millimeter. So that's nice. the one I like. Shoots uh, holds four, and uh, it's it's sighted, mine sighted in at about six hundred yards for coyotes for South Dakota. 
because those suckers, they, they're smarter than Dickens. They see you. And by the way, in South Dakota, a little bit like Texas, but South Dakota, we got no trees. You at least got some scrub and stuff like that. We got nothing you could see for a long time. So, hey, I, I speaking of a long time, I could talk to you for a long time, Joe. We got to have you back. I want to hear about the next phase of your life, what you're doing, where you're going. So you hold that for the next show. But let's get you back, brother. Let's talk a little politics. Let's talk a little bit business. Let's talk a little bit about how to get people's sticks out of their ass, okay? And we've been doing that right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks so much for joining me. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business Podcasts on c-sweetradio.com. It's time to wrap up the show. At the end of the show, I want to talk about my friends at Abbey Connect again. Listen, look, you got people calling you. Don't let them talk to machine because 80% of them won't leave a message. I don't leave messages if I don't talk to somebody. You know, I might text them. But that's not so good. I want to talk to them. So let them get to a real person. And Abby Connects has got a special offer from us. You go to abbyconnect.com forward slash all business. They're going to give you $95 off your first bill. I love this service. So you need to sign up today. Go to Abby Connect. And I, I'm a real believer in this thing because you want them people talking to real people, not recordings and not some answer machine. Who, who gave up that? I gave that up in the 80s, I think. So get to Abby Connect dot com forward slash all business. Hey, and at the end of the show, I always like to talk about what I learned. You know, what I learned is our experiences really help us and hurt us. That's what Joe said. He said some things were good and some things were bad. And I think the most important things that we've got to learn about that is look at what he had to do. And he comes back and he's really got this attitude. And I've said this before, no one's going to die. So you think you got problems, you think you got stuff. Think about what guys like Joe have been through. Think about what all these men and women that are serving there today, what they're going through. So how about you take the stick out of your ass and quit quit whining, quit quit crying, as he said, buck up, buttercup, and get back to work. Because uh, there's a lot, lot, lot of worse things in our lives than the things that most of us face every day in business. So that's my advice today. Don't forget to tell your friends. Tell them to look us up on iTunes, look us up wherever you can find uh, us. You know, hey, we're on Alexa, by the way. I was listening to, to the show the other day on Alexa. So tell your friends, just call up and say, hey, I want to listen. Alexa, I want to listen to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, and it'll start playing. There you go. So, and, and tune us in right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.